Well, let's dive into uh, to today's subject of going and growing and giving ourselves the opportunity to explore how Jesus would lead us into growth. Jesus tackles growth in a very unique way. And the way he does it, the way he does it is by showing us how to grow, how to share our faith, how to spread the word of God, how to be in the kingdom of God in a way that average everyday people can experience what it's like to be in the kingdom. The first question we're going to ask at Trinity South Naperville, since we have this opportunity, is what are we doing? Now, when we started meeting for worship a little bit less than two years ago, and by the way, uh, come the 1st of October, Trinity South Naperville will be two years old. We're already preparing a second birthday party out somewhere in nature where we can share some food and some time and fellowship together and celebrate what God is doing. But that's the question for us today is what are we doing here? What is it God has called us to do? What we've done is we've seen growth in the first two years in this way. When we first started meeting as a worshiping site two years ago, we had eight families engaged with us. Four of those families have moved off to other churches, other more established settings that had bigger groups of people coming and more established programs. So what we found out was what this kind of growth is like and who's it good for and who's it not good for. Some people have found that there were other situations out there in our community that would fit their lifestyle and their family better. You guys are the exception because from those four remaining families, we've grown into this. Right now, we have about 26 families engaged in our site in just two short years. That makes you a little weird. You're strange. Because from some reason, you like to come to a public school building and meet together and sing to the Lord and lift your praises up to him and hear from the word and engage in small group outside of this setting on your own. And you like that. And we love that you do. We like that you love this small setting, this intimate custom setting that we've all grown into. And at the same time, it's good and healthy for us to come back to square one to Jesus and ask the question, what is it we're doing here? What we're doing here is sharing the word of God, demonstrating it both in word and hopefully in how we behave and how we act. And that's why we do small groups and that's why we serve and that's why we give and that's why we allow God to change our lives from the inside out. But the question becomes, where do we go from here and what are we doing from here on? Jesus makes it very clear when he talks to his disciples about the idea of becoming fishers of people. Now, you might have heard it in the old language as we talk about the scripture. And in particular, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus does this. The Bible says in Matthew 4, starting in verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
At once they left their nets and followed him. And the scripture goes on, says, going on from there, Jesus saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, and they were out in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father, who was probably kind of confused about that, and followed Jesus. The Bible says Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among them. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them, the Bible says. Uh, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, I don't know if you caught, and it's bolded for you, uh, I don't know if you caught the activities of the early church, the things that they did. When you ask the early church the question, what is it we're doing? These are the things that they did. They taught the word of God. They proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. And then they did what? healed. Now, am I proposing that in the next year, you're going to go out and heal diseases in the name of Jesus? If you do that, let me know. I'll bring my phone. We'll put it on social media. It'll be amazing. And who knows, maybe God has some of that in store for you. But the idea becomes this, as the word of God is preached and taught and demonstrated, people heal. They heal from the inside out. Something in them changes. Problems are solved. Challenges are met. Obstacles are overcome. And if those ever happen at all in real life, they start inside here. What happens inside here is what determines what goes on out there, does it not? And so Jesus heals and teaches and heals and teaches. And those two things work together cyclically. That is the work to which we are called. To share the word of God with people who will not ordinarily be in a position to hear it. And yet, in our culture, sometimes we ask that question. Why? Why am I a Christian? Why am I here? And why is the preacher asking me to share the good news of Jesus in a culture that doesn't welcome the good news of Jesus so much anymore? Why? Why would the pastor ask me to do that? Why would my Christian brothers and sisters encourage me to do that? Well, we could fall back to the main reason being that Jesus told us in the beginning, in the beginning of the church, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he what? He commanded of us. That's a pretty good reason to go and do that stuff, right? But I would suggest we can dig even deeper there and look even further into the heart of God. What I understand when I look at these scriptures is there are two main reasons why God would call us to grow. And that's to grow on the inside and then grow on the outside. The two reasons are, number one, because Jesus demonstrated what it was like to submit himself to the will of the Father. 
he put aside for the few minutes that it took to become a sacrifice for all humankind. He put aside his fear, his trepidation about going to the cross. And even as he asked God, Lord, take this cup away from me. He then in the next breath said what? Not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, Heavenly Father, I know what I'm getting ready to face and I'm afraid of it. But not because of my fear do I move forward. I move forward because of you. I move forward because of what you have demonstrated in love on the cross. I move forward because you've called me to move forward. I move forward because you've called me to action. And because I love you, I want to do what you have out there for me in this movement forward, in this growth. And then secondly, he calls us moving forward to grow because what that means for us is that our faith comes alive. When V read from Psalm 92 before, I love the words she used about flourishing, thriving. That's absolutely true. If you've ever felt like your faith was stagnant, that it had flatlined, there's one reason why that happened in your life. It was supposed to. And the reason is because you were supposed to feel a void in your life that incited you to grow. And when you began to grow, what happened to the plateau in your life? It went away and it became mountains and valleys. The movement of your life began to change. You began to have high roads and low roads. You began to see highs and lows in your faith. And maybe there were times when your faith became stagnant again and it seemed like God was not listening and maybe he was even ignoring you. The truth is he wasn't ignoring you. The truth is he was letting you stew. He was letting you ruminate in where you were in life to prepare you for the next place of growth. See, that happens to you and me individually, and it happens to us when we gather in churches. God brings us to a place where we plateau and step back away and say, why are we here? It gives us an opportunity to get back to him, to the image of Jesus before his father who says, not my will, but thy will, and come back to God and say, God, what is it you want from us? Do you want us to become plateaued and stagnant and stay comfortable right here? And Jesus very quietly and lovingly says, no, you don't get that option. The reason is, is because there are people all around you who need me, who need to know that I love them and who need to know what Christ following is like through you, through your life through the life that God has called you to. There is nobody who can do you better than you. God has called you to be you in the kingdom of God, informed by your faith and led forward to share the faith you have. So we're gonna spend the entire month talking about how do we do that? And how do we remove the mountains of fear and obstacle and challenge that keep us from sharing the faith we have with the people who are already in our lives around us? I want to share this month a little bit of vision with you as well. Now, if you've been around South Naperville for a while, you may recognize this worship space. This is a space that's been outfitted for worship in the same building as our Trinity Early Childhood Center. 
Trinity Early Childhood Center is now a little more than four years old, started with eight children a little more than four years ago, and as we closed out the academic year in May, we had 80 children on the roster. So Trinity South Naperville as a site began as an early childhood center and then two years later started germinating a new worshiping site, which is what this is today, right? This worship space is occupied, is leased by another church in the same building as Trinity Early Childhood Center. This church is going to be exiting this space in less than two years. In a little bit less than two years, they will be leaving and the space will become available. If that space becomes available in two years, and we believe uh, pretty assuredly that that space will be available, then we have the opportunity to look at a lease of that space and to move over there. Can you imagine what our ministry would be like if our front-facing ministry, the Early Childhood Center, that has more than 40-something families on its roster and 80-something-plus kids on its roster, is in the same building as our worship space where we meet once or twice or even three times a week? And all of us were together in one space. Can you imagine how we could get a little excited about that opportunity? So here's what God is putting in front of us in terms of a vision. You've heard me say that God is placing some challenges in front of us in terms of our growth numerically. We've spent two years growing internally and trickling some numerical growth to the size that we have today, which is amazing. We believe that God can grow us to an average worship attendance of about 100 by the end of the academic year. So by the time we get to June, we could see about 100 meeting in this space. And then the following fall, if we saw a continued growth pattern in that way, if we saw about 120 people in worship, which by the way, that includes all of you guys and your kids, all of us together in the same place, right? If we got to about 120, then Trinity as a church body of which we are one site, would realistically be able to take a look at a lease of this space. Do you see where I'm headed with this? The opportunity in front of us doesn't say, Trinity South Naperville, you have to grow numerically. You have to get this big otherwise or else. What we're saying is this, God has presented an opportunity to us to grow into this space for the express purpose of reaching as many people as possible with the united space together, the early childhood center and worship space, to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus. Now, why would we wanna do that? For a couple of reasons. One, because God is calling us to look at the mountains in front of us that keep us from individually sharing the life we have in Jesus with one other family, one other couple, or one other person each, and helping us to grow through the movement of those mountains into the sea. Now, Jesus talked about this idea as he was moving into Jerusalem, getting ready to do Holy Week. You may remember the story of where Jesus went into the temple and what did he do to the tables? He saw that people had turned the temple into a marketplace and were making money there, right? Some of them underhandedly. 
So Jesus disrupted the whole room and tossed the tables with money flying through the air, probably birds and sacrificial animals going nuts and going crazy. Chaos and mayhem ensue, but he overthrows the temple in order to reestablish the temple as a holy site and not a marketplace. And then he comes out with his bewildered disciples and he teaches them a lesson about overcoming the impossible. He says, if you will look at that mountain and tell it to move, it will be thrown into the sea if you do it with the smallest of faith. Now, we believe that and understand that to mean that he wasn't literally talking about mountains, literal mountains. But maybe he was looking at the Mount of Olives and pointing at it and making a point. If you're trying to get somewhere, like from here to there, sharing your faith personally, and there's something between you, it may seem insurmountable. It may seem an impossible obstacle to remove so that you can share your faith realistically with someone. Jesus says this, that mountain with the smallest of faith in me can be moved and thrown into the sea. Perhaps even the same sea that we fish from, the same sea we throw our nets into, the ones where the fish will come as God calls them, not as we force them into the net, but as we gently lay that net into the water and let them swim in. That's kind of how fishing worked back then, and it's kind of how fishing works today. So the question for us becomes, when we talk about sharing our faith, what's the mountain? What is the mountain between us and growing that causes us to stop and to trust in God for the removal of that obstacle so we can share our faith and grow. Well, it's very akin to the idea of Jesus leading his disciples out because I don't know if you've studied the way Jesus deployed his disciples, but basically the idea was this. You go two by two, take a partner with you and go out and share the good news. And the way he did this was very particularly he didn't just say go out like you're starting a new sales job and just canvas the entire area around you and work by the law of numbers. Jesus didn't say go canvas the entire neighborhood and maybe one or two percent of the people you go and outreach to will actually be responsive to you. Believe it or not, Jesus wasn't into mass marketing. But Christianity, even under oppression, grew like wildfire. For the first few years, it exploded all over the world. Here's how Jesus did it. I want to share this scripture with you. Jesus says in particularly in Matthew 10, starting in verse 5, and this scripture that's on the screen is the back half of it. He says, these 12, these 12 uh, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. The reason being is the apostle Paul would be the one to go to the Gentiles. He says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, God's people who were lost. God's people who were lost, apart from God. Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. Remember, there were three main activities that they engaged in, teaching, proclaiming, and what was the third one? 
healing. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely give what? Freely give what? The good news that Jesus died for you and me and then rose again from the grave to a new life for you and me and share and demonstrate that good news even and especially to people who will not believe you on the first pass. Because Jesus has overcome the world, Jesus can move mountains that stand between a person in his or her faith in God. And Jesus can move the mountains of fear and hesitation and even feeling bad about ourselves or feeling like we're inadequate to the task of sharing that good news. But look at what Jesus goes on and says, and the words are on the screen behind me. Do not get any gold or silver or copper or take with you in your belts, to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is, work, is worth his keep. So what he was talking about there is continue to work your job. Don't quit your job and go out and share the good news of Jesus and not be able to feed yourself. Keep your job. Share the good news of Jesus as you go, as you live your life with the people that God has placed around you already. Check it out. As you enter a home, or go back to 11, verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. Here's how that becomes worthy. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that town or home or town and shake the dust off your feet, he says. Truly I tell you, he goes on just after that, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Now Jesus' words are pretty harsh for the rejection that the disciples would receive in some places, right? But what is it Jesus is teaching us by teaching them? It's the concept of people of peace. Take a look at the scripture again. And this is verse 13. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome or listen to your words, leave that home or town. So what he's talking about is this, the idea that God has placed specific people in our lives for us to cross paths with in order to share the peace of God that he's given each one of us freely. And he's calling us to freely give that peace to another person who will receive it. So if you've got people in your life who don't want to be around you and don't like you and don't want to come over to your house and eat your food and drink your drinks, don't try to chase them down and force them to hang out with you. Instead, spend your time with people who want to be with you your family, your friends, your neighbors who like you. You, ha you guys have neighbors who like you, right? Please shake your head. Otherwise, we're gonna have to dial this whole thing back and just go back to social skills class, right? 
but you've got neighbors who like you and dig you, right? And you've got neighbors who don't want anything to do with you, right? Jesus is basically saying, don't force people who don't want to hang out with you to hang out with you, hang out with people that like you and vice versa. And specifically, let the Holy Spirit in you identify someone among that group that is receptive to hearing the good news of Jesus. Somebody who won't leave you if you share the good news of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will give you the discernment to be able to understand the people who will stay and the people who will leave. And in that moment, you will feel the fire of the Holy Spirit help you know who is ready to receive the good news of Jesus in a way that only you can communicate and you'll share it. And that person will do what? They will either share with you the church they go to, which is awesome, or they'll share with you that they've never heard it that way before and they wanna know more. The reason they've never heard it that way before is because they've never heard it from you before. And there's only one you who can share what you have. The peace of God which passes all understanding that sits right here in the core of who you are. There's only one of you who can do that. It's this concept of peace. It's the idea of people of peace. Finding people of peace in your life, people who will receive you as a person and who will receive the good news of Jesus. Here are some telltale signs. Take a look. People of peace welcome you. If you show up at their house, unless they're under duress, they will talk to you at the front door. We have neighbors who come to our house all the time. Most of them are about three and a half or four feet tall. They just ring the doorbell or knock on the door. They wanna see the rest of the kids in the family, right? But they feel free to come to our house. Some of those neighbors are people of peace for us. Some are not. They've made themselves known over the last four years we've been in our neighborhood. We receive each other as people of peace. We're open to friendship. We're open to what we have to say about Jesus. And this is the key here, guys. It's the idea of going beyond a friendship or a relationship wherein they will take you however you are. You could come to the door in your sweats looking like You've just, you know, been up for three days and they love you exactly the way you are. They accept you, they receive you. But then beyond that, there's a conversation at some point in the future where you ask them, you know, I'm just curious. What do you think about Jesus? And you can even tell them, I'm gonna ask you a super weird question right now. What do you think about Jesus? They may laugh. They may start talking about the Cubs or White Sox or Bears. They may start talking about the weather. Or they may give you an honest answer. And that answer might be, you know, I've never really thought about Jesus before. I've been to church, but I've never really thought about Jesus before. And in that moment, before that comes out of your mouth, you're going to see a little mountain rise up between you and the words coming out of your mouth. And that mountain's gonna take a lot of different shapes and forms and sizes. But it will boil down to one thing. 
it will boil down to a fear or an insecurity that you can't adequately share the good news of Jesus. And that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because there's only one person who can share the good news of Jesus through you. And that is you. And are you called and equipped to share that life that you have in him with somebody else? Yes, you are called and equipped. So as we go through the next four weeks, what we're not going to do is we're not going to simply tell you, you need to go and share the good news of Jesus. Good luck. Hope it works out for you. What we're going to do is we're going to propose a number of scenarios over the next four weeks that you could find yourself in as you begin to share your faith with somebody else. And we're going to constructively help you to tear down the mountains between you and that, those experiences, one spoonful of mountain at a time. We're going to give you the words to speak. The Holy Spirit promises that. We're going to show you examples, and maybe we'll even role play a little bit. But what it's going to do is it's going to equip us to do one thing and one thing only. This congregation, by the end of the school year, can double in size. Listen to my voice. This congregation can double in size and become 100 plus on Sunday mornings if we allow God to remove the mountain of fear and insecurity out from in front of us and reach one other family each. Think about the math of that. And as we close, think about the vision, the opportunity that God's put in front of us. Don't hear guilt. Don't hear pressure. Hear opportunity. Because there are people who need Jesus all around us. As we close in prayer and invite the kids in, I'd ask you to bow your heads. Let's close right now before they come in, and then we'll invite them in, and then we're going to stand and worship. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for giving us new opportunities at South Neighborville. Thank you for making them concrete. Thank you for making them something that we can see in front of us and experience. And God, as we move toward growth and as we move toward meeting that need in the community for people to know Jesus, Help us to understand that it is through us they know Jesus. And it's the people just in our lives in front of us you call us to reach with words that you give us. So God, inspire us now. Continue to lead us, lead us forward in growth. Show us the words. The opportunities come with them as you lead us into new uh, uncharted waters to fish, to become fishers of people need you. In your name we pray and together we say, 